Welcome to Monkey Off My Backlog, the podcast where we exercise our pop culture demons by tackling our media to-do lists one week at a time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me is a co-host, ghost, co-ghost, I I don't, guest host, something, Torin. Hi, Torin. As long as I don't have uh, too many responsibilities, you can call me whatever you want. Awesome. I have a fear of commitment. Just sit sit and talk with me a little bit, and we'll have fun. Torin, you are the creator of iTunes single hit Cabbage in the Garbage. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I would not use the word hit, but uh, I would use the word Bandcamp. Yeah. Oh yes. Uh, I, I will. I will. I will tell you right now uh, that your song has been in, in my head for like a week. It is that's funny. incredibly catchy. Oh, that's good to know. Well, feel free to throw it in the episode if you want. Oh, okay. I I will. I will put cabbage in the garbage at the uh, the end of this episode, so <laughs> people have a reason to listen along. What 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 did you do this? What did you do this week? What did you finally knock off your rather extensive list? I have had for a long time on my backlog list Lone Wolf and Cub, and um, I knew almost nothing about the Lone Wolf and Cub series. I knew it was a comic book series, a manga, although I didn't know which one came first until I watched the movie and I looked everything up afterwards. So so you, you watched the movie and then reverse engineered what came first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it turns out that the, the manga did come first hmm. and it was made into a, uh, into a movie in 1972. I think the, uh, uh, the manga came out of like maybe five, maybe more years earlier. And it's a whole, both of them are a series of, uh, of, of products. It's a little interesting when I think manga, I don't, I don't think like, you know, seventies, eighties, I I think the stuff that really started becoming popular in the late nineties, early aughts and, and on. So that's very fascinating. I don't know any of that stuff. I only know the pre. (laughs) You only know the pre stuff. Okay. Yeah. 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 For, for me, it's all your, uh, people in the, Listeners will know I'm a huge fan of One Piece and uh, yes, Berserk. I've, I've heard of that. A few others. I've never. I've heard. I've also heard of Berserk. I had a. I had a wonderful compliment where someone said, uh, "Your art style reminds me of Berserk," and I was like, "Oh, what's that?" And I looked it up, and I, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Berserk is one of the. Um, it seems to be. I, I don't know if it's one of the first, but it's definitely the largest uh, dark fantasy medieval. And now that's added to my backlog. Thank you very much. Oh. Uh, I, I will tell you, you can get some of these uh, these hardcover books from Berserk that are they're huge and the art is wonderful. Uh, I recommend very much the 1996 anime. Oh, cool! Um, All right, well, yeah, again, added to my backlog. <laughs> right, and the best part about that anime is it's only 26 episodes. Okay, <laughs> only 26. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's just one. Season. Wait, how long is an episode? Uh, twenty minutes. Three minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll 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 eat up a weekend. To continue, um, you did yes. Lone Wolf and Cub. You did uh, which, I watched which movie? The the first one, which yeah. was Sword of Vengeance, and it so basically it's the story of uh, an assassin that works for the Shogunate. He's the official assassin of the region, uh, of the little empire. Uh, in the Edo period, so, you know, the typical uh, samurai uh, uh, era. And um, there's a few other clans that are working for the shogunate. And the um, one of the clans 
the bad guy clans, and the name of that clan is, you know, <laughs> begins with a Y. Anyway, one of the the other clans wants to take the position of uh, the official um, executioner, which is what uh, which is what uh, our hero is, and so they they manipulate, they they set him up as um, they uh, they uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They uh, they frame him. Uh, to do something nasty. And so for the rest of them, uh, then they, and they, spoiler alert, this happens in the first 20 minutes, they um, murder his wife and he's on the run with his baby, his three-year-old child. Mm. And then he becomes a sort of assassin for hire and also a child for hire, which which is is kind of, that kind of, I, I wasn't expecting that, but he's wandering around in his baby cart. He's got his baby cart with his baby in it and he's got a sign a uh, little flag on his on his back that says, uh, you know, uh, I'm for hire and my child is for hire. And there was a lot more boobies in this movie. First of all, I, because I didn't do any research ahead, I had no idea what to expect. I actually thought that this might be in black and white, mm-hmm. but this is not in black and white. It's 1972, so it's in full color. And it reminded me a lot of. Uh, are you familiar with the Shaw Brothers films? So they're 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 uh, they're uh, directors who are producers who are uh, they have created a whole bunch of kung fu movies, Shaolin, oh, oh, type oh, films. Yes, yes, I am, I am, I'm looking them up now. I don't do not know why I was thinking of like uh, Shawshank Redemption or something. Yes, no, yes, yeah. uh, Thirty Eight so Chambers. Of it Shaolin has in that. It. Yeah, it has that vibe. There's lots of blood. There's lots of interesting cuts and action and chopping off of limbs and heads and stuff like that. So it's very gory. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more boobs than I expected there to be. So it kind of took me by surprise. Uh, but uh, yeah, I definitely liked it. It also reminded me of uh, of anime, which kind of makes sense uh, with the you know with the with the manga background in terms of like you know there's a guy who's looking at the ground. And then he starts laughing, <laughs> or there's uh, and and the gushes of of blood, the 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 anime style, uh, just torrents of blood shooting out from people's uh, necks and torsos and and uh, severed limbs and painting the walls and the people around them just drenched in blood. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, uh, you know, and I I too also assumed it was in black and white because my idea of like these bloody samurai films are that they're always in black and white because one that saves a lot of money right at the time and also because censors prefer black and white sequences for a lot of blood that that's at least right. my understanding yeah, like makes, why so, yeah because yeah, because the more the more red the blood the 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 more uh offensive it becomes yes exactly and you throw in a few nipples in there too and it's just incredibly offensive yeah it was a little bit shocking in some ways like there was um there was it, it got to a point later on in the film without uh, too many spoilers, but there was a sexual assault scene that I that was very like this is just to set up that the bad guys are bad. Ugh. Uh, that- and yeah, it's that old trope. And then there was a, a really kind of it was it was a really awkward scene where in order to save both his life and possibly the prostitutes, the gang members uh, forced him to have sex with the prostitute. Uh, and while they all watched, it was very, it was very weird. Oh, uh, it yeah. was not what I was expecting. Yeah, there, there are like some weird uh, tropes, stuff like that, that just like uh, modern day, it's really hard to. Yeah. Wow. Like I feel like it went too far 
But then once it got to that point, it was like, okay, fade to black and that's fine. So, so it, it could have, I could have seen it definitely going farther. And I, was, and I was like, I was like on the edge of my couch going, oh no, they're not going to, what, what is going to happen now? And then it was over. So that was kind of like, but yeah, but it also had the, the sort of thing where, where the, the woman was, you know, the, she admired him because in a way, even though she had to have sex with him, he saved her life. Etc. 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 And honor and all that kind of stuff. So if you're not too triggered by by some sexual assault or uh, just bloody decapitations, it's a uh, it's a fun romp for sure. Oh, that that is that is a fascinating. Yeah, I I just always assume that these movies are uh, that they're just kind of slow. You know, like uh, Seven Samurai tends to. I mean, it's a very long movie, and right. that's why it's slow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, and actually, this movie was not slow, and I found that when it ended, I was like, what? Uh, 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 is that it? Because, hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it seemed short. I think it was 87 minutes, so not even, not even a half, an, an hour and a half. Wow. And um, so there wasn't, there, there, was, there wasn't that aspect of like waiting for the movie to be over at all. But, I mean, it's part of a series, right? So uh i've actually have started the second one uh, lone wolf and cub baby cart uh, on the river sticks <laughs> and that's uh, and i was and i was also i was wearing like oh is the first one going to be good and then the next one is like going to be all kind of crappy but uh so far i haven't gotten through it all the way so it could still disappoint me but uh so far so good yeah i uh i know that uh, rick and morty did a um like a extended commercial teaser for whatever the third season that was just Rick and Rick and Morty, but it was Lone Wolf and Cub with in like samurai style. It was really <laughs> beautiful and over the top. And um yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm because I'm biased towards older media, um or yeah. biased against it. I always just think of these as being slow and not very uh dynamic and um yeah, that sounds uh it so would you say that this is probably where like Quentin Tarantino got a lot of his um yes his yes, I would. okay okay yeah yeah definitely uh it's very you know there are there are um there are echoes of Kill Bill or the echoes of Willow Wolf and Cub this whole kind of genre in like Kill Bill and his and his other movies mm-hmm. and uh I can also say the sound design was very uh, interesting, cartoony in places, like with all the sword strokes, you know, very like, whoosh, ching, kong, shoo, very, very, <laughs> very uh, in your face, not That's, subtle at all. Huh. I, yeah, do you know like what, uh, if there's like a, a recent restoration or if like this was just the version that kind of made it to North America? Cause I, I'm always like skeptical about stuff like that. Like maybe this is like a weird, uh, additions for the uh, for the American people to. I'm not sure. I mean, it was definitely in Jap in Japan <laughs> in Japanese with uh, with English subtitles, so it wasn't like uh, uh, it wasn't anything like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, have you watched any of the other uh, famous ones from this uh, director? Uh, the Zatoichi films, The Blind Samurai. No, that's also on my backlog. So maybe that'll be maybe that'll be for next time. The Zadoichi films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what about? Have, have you seen them? I I have not. I I have right. not. I know that these are like the other big samurai franchise from this time period. Um, at least as far as whatever made it to English speaking audiences. Yeah, 
So have you seen like Seven Samurai or any? Uh... I've seen most of Akira Kurosawa films. There's a, there, I think there's three left on my list that I haven't seen yet, but I've seen the large. Have you seen I mean, that? I've, I've, all, all the big ones, all the famous ones. There are some other ones, you know, that that uh, that are going to get like a, you know, a six or whatever on IMDb that I haven't, you know, that's not necessarily on my list. Although hopefully I'll hopefully I'll see his entire catalog at yeah. some point. Uh, yeah, this uh, this podcast actually started the first episode. I watched High and Low, which what a fantastic film. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Uh, now, what about um, there's there's a movie that Takashi Miike did. It's it's not Seven Samurai, but it's basically a remake of Seven Samurai. Uh, Thirteen Assassins. Have you oh. have you seen that? Thirteen Assassins. I don't think so. This is a uh, Takashi Miike. Uh, Was that from like the sixties? No, no, no. This is a 2010 film. Oh. So almost you, almost definitely not then. Right, one of the mo- no. the more prolific Japanese directors. Um, he was able to basically remake Seven Samurai, the whole the whole setup. He just went with Thirteen Assassins instead. Okay, because I see that there is a 1963 version of Thirteen Assassins. Yeah, Takashi Miike is such a weird director. Uh, I recommend his stuff just for how weird it can get. But this is um, 13 Assassins is just a straight up Western action samurai uh, Chabara film. Um, It's cool. Cool. Yeah. The other thing that I could say about uh, that I should have just right off the top should have said about uh, Lone Wolf Cub, uh, Lone Wolf and Cub is that the cinematography is is excellent. I was like, I'm being a storyboard artist. Sometimes I'll watch a film (laughs) and I'll pause and I'll just take photos with my phone of the frames. (laughs) <laughs> because they're so good just to put in a reference folder for later if I'm just need ideas and stuff like that but yeah there's definitely like I took like a bunch of pictures of this film oh yeah and I guess you like which kind of mentioned earlier you could kind of see this um uh Tarantino style coming from a lot of this a lot of Kill Bill and there's probably a lot of um very famous scenes in those as well like uh yeah, and uh, are you up on your uh, Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett? Uh, no, I am not, actually. I, I've only seen season one of Mandalorian. Okay, well, I mean, there is an obvious parallel mm. of the lone wandering warrior with the small child. Right. And uh, there are definitely scenes that are directly, like oh. very, very directly uh, taken. That is, that is, that is fast. I really, I should have pick that because you know mandalorian's all like oh it's a western uh and but it's also very much like this now do they kind of get into like weird ideas of masculinity um or not not weird but you know do they do they touch any of those themes or is it really just an action flick um i mean what's interesting i was watching some of the bonus content on the dvd and and one of the things i learned was that this era of the Edo period was very much known for all the different um, clans, uh, you know, trying to manipulate and backstab each other. Mm-hmm. So there's all this talk about honor and, you know, you have to, if you, if you, you know, if you dishonor yourself, you have to kill, seppuku, you have to do uh, commit seppuku and stuff like that. Um, and yet everyone else is just playing super dirty uh, so it's all about saving face. So it's not really so much about masculinity. It's just about, uh, you know, about uh, about honor and survival in many ways. 
that's that's oh man that that is uh yeah that, that's fascinating i'm just trying to think of like other things to kind of talk about because i it's it's not every day i get to talk to somebody who has seen a classic even if i haven't seen it it's uh especially you know uh asian cinema what what are your other experiences with just asian or japanese cinema in general um well like i said i really like um kurosawa as as any mm you know, a cinemaphile would, uh, or cinephile would probably agree with me that they are great films. Um, but recently, well, not too recently, a couple of years ago, they had, um, they, I discovered the Shaw brothers. Uh, they just had a bunch of them on Amazon prime. And I started with, um, come drink with me. Um, just like, you know, cause I, I grew up in the eighties mm-hmm. and all of these Kung Fu flicks were hugely, po- you know, ninjas were huge. That's kind of when, where they came into the into the Western uh, public eye was in the eighties, and everyone was watching, you know, shitty kung fu kung fu flicks and uh, and ninja flicks, and that was they it, all those all of these movies kind of had their own Americanized versions that you know American Ninja and all these other things. But uh, I was never all my a bunch of my friends were into the the kung fu movies, but I never got into them. So having discovered them in my you know in my late forties, it was a real treat. Mm. <laughs> because I could look at them with, you know, with that kind of perspective and, you know, thinking that they were going to, oh, these are just going to be shitty movies, but they actually had a lot of charm and a lot of them, like, especially, um, Wei Wei Ping, I think I want to look up, I want to look up her name real quick. Come drink with me. Uh, the Da Zhu Xia, 1966, uh, Pei Pei Cheng. That's it. She has loads of charisma. And she, uh, a lot of these films uh, star her, and and she's, uh, you know, it's not it's not the masculinity stuff at all. It's like she's a kick-ass, you know, a, a warrior woman, and uh, th- that's kind of like a through line through all of these films, the, at least the the Shaw Brothers films. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's great. It surprised me. I, I was reading a book on some of the um, like the Hong Kong action flicks, and it was mentioned that they basically just. Uh, <laughs> just would tell people to fight and just film the entire thing and work out what to leave in and what to take out later. That's interesting. Like, like these, because these... I, that strikes me. I, I don't, I don't want to say it's a lie, but it's, but having watched, watched a bunch of these films, they're very choreographed. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. so maybe it's just a pro, maybe it's a process of just like shooting edit everything and then editing down and coming back for reshoots. I mean, I don't know. I really have no idea how these were filmed, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I and I certainly don't either. That that's that's fascinating though. I I will definitely make sure to take a look at this. I haven't even seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is supposed to be well. One. Yeah, that actor Pei Pei Cheng, mm-hmm. she has uh, she plays a, a a role in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon as an older woman. Wow, so it's awesome. kind of like a, a yeah, I don't know, not homage, but it's kind of like a callback. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so overall, like, uh, who who do you recommend this? I know you said there's some some triggering things about it, so definitely avoid it if uh, you sexual assault is uh, and uh, decapitations are among the things yeah. that that uh, don't go. Yeah, well with if you. you're sensitive to to uh to gore, <laughs> don't watch it. If you're sensitive to sexual assault, don't watch it. But um, it I I enjoyed it. I would I would give it a, a high seven out of ten. Okay. Yeah, and you you have a very um you actually keep track of the the things that you give films and 
your scores. I do. I it, forgot to mention that uh, it's, but in since the last time I was on your podcast, mm-hmm. I reached the 3,000 mark of movies that I've rated on IMDb. That is that is awesome. And I, I that is one of the things that I love about talking to you or listening to you or uh, reading what you say about movies because you actually follow through with uh, with rating them and kind of thinking about where you put them. And that, it's always great uh, for me. I'm because I'm a big dumb guy. I like when I like something, I'm just like, oh, this is great. Uh, 10 out of 10. So right. <laughs> my, my my letterbox is very uh, biased against uh, right. their, the average is very high. Right. And uh, yeah, my average is is uh is much lower than yours. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh and I and I really appreciate that because I like hearing what I missed or what I didn't think about and the storyboard artists like uh editing can probably in cinematography probably uh stay in your mind up front, right? Right, yeah. Well, um so this week I did in the Mouth of Madness, uh, which is a very Lovecraftian, Lovecraft-inspired film. And uh, I happen to know that Torin has a lot of uh, Lovecraft bona fides, is, is familiar with Lovecraft and other types of cosmic horror. I have read almost all of Lovecraft's oeuvre. Oh, wow. I, you know, it was, it was your podcast that made me try Lovecraft, uh, Caustic Soda. I, I picked it up, I gave it a try, I read uh, Pikmin's Model, which is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The great thing about Lovecraft is if uh, you don't have to read much to find out whether or not you like him or hate him. Yeah. And uh, especially <laughs> since his, his most of his stories are like, you know, 14 pages long. <laughs> or a lot of them. When, when he can get it right uh, and it just gets that right vibe but uh pikmin's model like the end of of that the 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 reveal that they're not they're not paintings is one of the scariest moments i've ever read in a book anyway uh do do you do you have any like recommendations about lovecraft any specific books or films uh you know it doesn't even have to be from um howard phillip himself it can be you know uh homages or even better uh well have you heard about this band called the darkest of the hillside thickets the darkest of the hillside thickets they take hp lovecraft's original uh stories mm-hmm. and then they could have kind of put a modern punk rock spin on it and hopefully get rid of all the racism mm-hmm. and uh yeah and just uh turn it into uh punk rock songs well not punk rocks but heavy rock songs right now now if i were to listen to darkest of the hillside thickets um where, 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 what would be the preferred way to listen to this? Uh, well, I would start with the newest album, which is called The Dukes of Alhazred. But if you want a concept album, like a whole, there's, a, there's an H.P. Lovecraft story called The Shadow Out of Time, which is uh, about a, uh, an alien race from prehistoric times who lived on planet Earth uh, m- uh, millions of years ago. And they had the science and technology to uh, project their minds and basically swap minds with other beings in the universe. So they do this with some poor sap living in uh, Lovecraft's times, the 1930s, to explore the world, to explore the, the, the era that, uh, of the 1930s. And then they're basically scientists. And then they unswap the minds and scrub the, scrub the memory of the human being 
So they've just they just got like this period where they where they don't remember. Mm. But it's not always perfect, and sometimes the persons, uh, the uh, the people who have had their mind swaps will start to experience dreams. And so in the story, The Shadow of Time, this guy um, starts to piece together what happened, and it comes to the horrible realization of of the truth, nature of the universe, and and what has happened to him. Now, there's a concept album by The Darkest of the Hillside. I think it's called The Shadow Out of Tim. And it's all about a guy <laughs> named Tim in the year uh, 2008, more or less, which is contemporary with, the, uh, with when we released the album. And he kind of goes to the same thing, but it's a different character. He's a marine biologist he, uh, from New Zealand. Uh, he's actually based on a real marine biologist uh, that I know named uh, Stephen O'Shea. And... Uh, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a musical odyssey through his experiences. Awesome, awesome, yeah, uh, yeah. For uh, clever fans who might have figured out that Torin has something to do with Darkest of the Hillside Thicka. <laughs> yes, I'm a founding member and yeah. the singer and the singer. Yes, uh, they also they also have some non. Well, I, I don't I don't know if it was non Lovecrafty, uh, but it was Operation Get the Hell Out of Here. That was on the shadow out of Tim. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is still one of the the catchiest. Like I just really, really love uh, how big you go in that one. Um, I, I I don't know. It reminds me a lot of the uh, Brian Seltzer Orchestra for some reason. Oh, I, I don't know that. I'll have to look that one up too. Uh, okay. Uh, well, but yeah, we, we do have other non Lovecraftian songs like the Math Song and Power Up and all these other just basically mm. nerdy songs. Nerdy songs. Okay. So because we're nerds. Well, clearly, I mean, you a, a band a band doing uh, the Shadow Out of Tim, a entire concept based on a H.P. Uh, Lovecraft novella. That, but how was your experience with In the Mouth of Madness, nineteen ninety four, by John Carpenter? Oh, 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 this this movie, I have to tell you, Torin, uh, In the Mouth of Madness is a bizarre movie that I feel like gets everything about Lovecraft right um, it's pretty it's pretty good i i it is the kind of movie that makes me jealous that i am not a creative person that i mm. can't be creative uh that i just don't i don't have that that spark in me so seeing something that takes the cosmic horror uh angle and just improves it substantially uh integrates it into the real world and more importantly give sam neil his his due <laughs> it's just a wonderful uh not very gory uh not jump scary just tense horror movie yeah it's kind of one of those uh mind films right where like the 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 protagonist doesn't know whether or not what he's seeing is real or if he's going insane, which is very Lovecraftian. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. Um, so just to kind of, I guess, frame, frame the film to give what it's about. Uh, Sam Neill plays a insurance investigator. Uh, he is somebody who looks into claims to see if, uh, you know, you're maybe, maybe you, maybe you burnt down your, your place trying to get some money instead of uh, you know, actually having a fire. And he's hired by a publisher of um, of a Stephen King, H.P. Lovecraft-esque horror writer, um, probably 
with the popularity of Stephen King, uh, I, I would say, meets the um, themes of, uh, of Mr. Lovecraft uh, named Sutter Kane. And Sutter Kane, let's just take a moment to think of how great of a pen name that is. That's pretty good. Sutter Kane. Um, well, Sutter Kane has gone missing. And and uh, he what well, he owes the publishing company a book, right? Right, right. He owes the, the deal the publishing company not only a book. I believe it's it's his last book, right? So Sam Neill is uh, as John Trent dives into this mystery as things are going a little weird around him. Uh, he is at one point attacked by a uh, an axe wielding maniac. He. We see it the in the beginning, the opening. We already see, you know, this is a one of these movies that shows you the ending, and then he explains how he got there. Uh, we see Sam Neill being taken into a uh, psych ward, uh, you know, for mental help. He claims that he's a paranoid schizophrenic. Um, you get to see spend just a little bit of time with his uh, his doctor, uh, Doctor Saperstein, who is played by John Glover, who people might know as. Um, Daddy Luther from Smallville, Lex Luther's dad. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. This is about his slow descent into this town, uh, Hobbs End, which shouldn't exist. And uh, you know, we, he he goes up there looking for this Sutter Kane fellow. He goes in there trying to find it and uh, or find him and prove to the prove to Sutter Kane's editor that. You know, ha! I called it. This is all just a big publicity stunt. You mm. hi- you hired a bunch of actors. This isn't a real town. That kind of thing. Um, and Sam Neill um, is the question is: Is he being completely gaslit, or are there actually weird things going on? It yeah, it is intense and a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And David Warner is in this film, is he not? Yes, yes. David Warner is is also one in the of my film favorites. As uh, he is, he plays the the doctor, uh, the other doctor, kind of talking to Sam Neill. Um, it's 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 so weird with um, with, with with people who you you can barely recognize their faces. Like I, what what is David Warner? Been? Uh, he was uh, the the basically the master control program in uh, the bad guy in Tron. Mm. He was um, he was Chancellor Gorkin in Star Trek Four, and he was the Lobe in Freakazoid, the cartoon. <laughs> if you remember, really, that. yeah. Oh. And he, I think he's been in a couple of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft uh, adaptation movies, although uh, that's escaping me right now. But yeah, he's been around the block. Yeah. Uh, apparently, apparently he was also the lobe in Teen Titans Go. That's right. Yes, because the, they had a crossover, Freakazoid, a Teen Titans crossover. Oh, that is that is awesome. I I should I should definitely take a look at that because that is yeah that is fascinating. Um, I will have to take a look at Star Trek um eventually because that is the Star Trek films are one of my of my monkeys. Most of them. Um, uh, by oh wow. Uh, I I I've never been a Star Trek guy, but a it's hard list- for me because I've always been a Star Trek guy. Most most of the listeners uh, agree with you, and we even have a series where the my other two hosts are currently going through Star Trek. So 
It's a uh, little mini-sodes of Monkey called Sam and Tessa watch Star Trek. Right. So are you getting all the spoilers then? Uh, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't listen to those episodes. So Okay, I see. So th- those are, but also, is there anything really to spoil in the original series of Star Trek? Um, I guess not really, yeah. but, um, oh, also he was in, uh, the Batman, the animated series, David Warner as uh Rachel Ghoul. Oh, if you recall, oh, watched. Yes. I, I definitely, I definitely remember this. It's, it is, it is fascinating. This, this movie has, uh, first of all, just, it's fun to watch Sam Neill slip his accent. Um, right. <laughs> For sure. Every now and then he'll go from an American accent to his New Zealand. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a, a lot of fun to to see that. Um, it is fun to see him in his um, horror. I, I believe he he did a lot of horror movies in the eighties and nineties, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, possession. And or some something. of the other. I'm, uh, I, while while you were talking, I was scrolling through. He's been in uh, the other one. He was in as. Uh, Necronomicon, and um, there was another one, a short film that he was in, um, that was uh, the Evil Clergyman, was which which was uh, based on an, a Lovecraft short story. So yeah, that to, to me that's just kind of uh, kind of fascinating. Uh, I'm here's the thing: John Carpenter is great. John Carpenter always tries. Um, yes, I, that's well, well put. I I have uh I have not seen some of his stuff, but I've I've always heard um you're better off not really watching Ghost of Mars. <laughs> um a few other things. I, I can tell you from watching Assault and Precinct thirteen a bunch that he uses a lot of the same shots. It's it's very, very interesting. Um I I I think this is one of those movies that people would really like and also, it has kind of the theme and the idea of it that by watching this movie, you are doing something bad, that you are helping this insanity. Right, you're a participant in the story. And, and that idea where it's, I, I love anything that's kind of meta, you know, hints at being meta, and um, th- this uh, this isn't a hit, hit, hit um, you know, this doesn't, hit you over the head with how meta it is. It's uh it's not um a twenty twelve Drew Goddard film that I won't name. Um not because I don't love it, but because it being meta is a spoiler. I I, I don't know. Uh, you know what, Torn, have you seen Cabin in the Woods? Yes. Yes. Yes I, I have. I I thoroughly enjoyed Cabin in the Woods. There's Yeah, that was a good one. There's there's a, a lot of other um, horror movies and kind of horror has always been where you know you get to have a little bit more fun. Uh, horror and comedy are where can be. Yeah. you you can do a little bit of stuff, a little bit of meta stuff. Um, Benson and Moorhead, who pair together have a lot of meta uh, in their in their horror. Um, I covered their movie The Endless uh, about a year ago. Oh yeah, I think I've seen that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm actually not that, despite the fact that uh, horror is such a big part of my life, I'm not that much of a horror film fan. Like, I don't go out of my way to watch horror films. Well, well you oh, know. I lost your sound. Oh, uh, there you are. Um, I, I'm trying to think of the, way, of the way to phrase this. Um, 
going out of your way to watch horror film is a gamble with your time. True. Uh, and it's a and r- I've gotten to the I've gotten to the age in my in my ancient life that if I if I don't like a movie after the first half hour, I'm not going to commit to the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, and and that's and that's kind of a problem with horror uh, in general. Sometimes you need to give it that extra time. Sometimes a lot of them are just crap. A lot of them are just schlock, and not the fun kind of schlock. Uh, not the schlock made with love. I I don't I don't I I don't know I don't I don't want to crap on you know people who were somehow able to pull their stuff together. Um, so if you had uh, regular movies uh, that you'd recommend for people who are interested in cosmic horror or interested in Lovecraft, do you have any recommendations uh, for films? Oh gosh, you know, um, are you familiar with? Um... Let me just check to see if it's still extant. Uh, there was a website. Uh, nope, not anymore. Um, <laughs> there was a website by my friend called unfilmable.com. And he cataloged basically all the H.P. Lovecraft uh, adaptations of film. And uh, I've, I've gone to several of the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft film festivals in Portland and L.A., um, I have found that the best ones are usually the independent films. Um, but yeah, Lovecraft adaptations are really hit and miss. Right, right, right. Um, do I mean, and I, and a part of that, there's, there's two reasons for that. One of them is quite often they're trying to, uh, take a, a, you know, a seven to 14 page story and pad it out to an hour and a half. So they have to add in all this other stuff. And another is the fact that HP, a lot of H.P. Lovecraft's um, writings are just, uh, here's a letter I'm writing about uh, how I discovered what is basically the unnameable and unmentionable. <laughs> so it's not like, you know, uh, you think of um, The Whisper in Darkness and it's, um, it's just people corresponding by letters. Right. <laughs> That's so, the entire story. So really- Although that said... There are the the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society have made two silent films or black and white films. Oh. Uh, the Call of Cthulhu was silent. I'm not sure about The Whisper in Darkness, um, but those two do stand out as uh, as uh, perhaps the most uh, interesting and enjoyable. Okay. Uh, for me, The Color Out of Space with uh, Nicolas Cage. Oh, was, the most recent one. Yeah. Yes, I th- I thought that was a very good adaptation. Not adaptation. Um, I don't know. It was kind of an adaptation. It was fun. It was it was interesting. Yeah, I saw oh. it in the theater. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, so yeah, you you as a Lovecraft fan are just going with the it was interesting, not not uh very good. I or... wouldn't say it was great. I would okay. say it was adequate. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, and I mean, the... if standing on its own merit, mm-hmm. it was definitely you know it's it's a it's a Nicolas Cage movie. Mm-hmm. And so there's that aspect to it as well. But if you're comparing it, like, is it a good adaptation of the source material? Eh, it's fine. Okay. What about Reanimator? Reanimator is is lovely, uh, but again, for its own reasons. Like, yes. uh, like I'm actually not. I think the if I'm if memory serves me right, there was actually more than one. It, it was a series that Lovecraft did a Reanimator series, and I've not read. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've read all of them if even one of them, to be quite honest. So I can't really say how good of an adaptation of the uh, the film was. But it's got Jeffrey Combs in it, and he carries it 
and it's uh, it, you it know, is Stuart a fun Gordon. movie. It is a fun movie. So so he said, yeah, they're they're not afraid to uh, to fool around in in fun ways. Uh, all right, I I think that is about it. We're a little bit uh, you know, shorter than normal because, well, uh, two people find it more difficult to talk about two things than or. Uh, don't take as long to talk about two things as three people do about three things. It's just the um, nature of the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something. And thank you so much for, for doing this. Thank you for, for coming in. Uh, you know, thank you for watching finally Lone Wolf and Cub uh, and making yes. me add it to my list. Yes, yes. Uh, let me know what you think of it. I Yes, I definitely will. Uh, knowing that it is not just this slow four-hour movie that's in black and white. No, no. Yeah, it is, uh, like you said, colorful, action-packed, and um, only 90 minutes, which... Yeah, I feel it's slow where it needs to be slow, but not otherwise. Mm, right. Uh, yeah, listeners will, will know that I, I immediately gravitate to any movie that's under 100 minutes. Um, I tend to think that most movies are too long. So, Okay, yeah. um... Torin, where can people find you? What what a Oh, you know, I'm around. I'm just over your left shoulder. And uh I'm on uh tornatkinson.com actually. It's my website and uh, if you want it's mostly for my art, but you can find me on Facebook and I'm on uh I'm on the Twitter at Thickets and I'm on uh Instagram. Torin Mc... Torin Atkinson artist. That's right. Torin Atkinson one. Uh, do you have any projects, anything uh, going on right now? Uh, well, I'm excited to report that the Darkest of the Hillside Thickets are uh, back to rehearsal uh, for an upcoming show after two years, oh, however long the pandemic was, <laughs> where we didn't have any live shows. But now uh, things are things are getting back together, and uh, maybe we'll have some uh, new songs. You can find me on Twitter at Andy Noted. You can find us, that's Monk F on Backlog, on Twitter at Monkey Backlog. You can email us at monkeyoffmybacklog at gmail.com. You can please, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify. Spotify has ratings now. That'd be great. If you could do that, I would love it. Um, yeah, you can do whatever it is you want to try to get to us. And um, by the way, right now we have Torin Atkinson uh, hit song. It's going to get the Monkey Off My Backlog bump. Cabbage in the garbage. I know you said, you said I shouldn't want to resist, but I found out that I couldn't. That was the moment you found out that I'm damaged goods. Tell me why you had to stress it But when you left I just had to go and mess it And I was surprised when you came back to find it and cry I took your cabbage, I threw it in the garbage now Cabbage, threw it in the garbage I took your cabbage, I threw it in the garbage now Cabbage, threw it in the garbage I took your cabbage, I threw it in the garbage now Cabbage, threw it in the garbage
garbage. I took your cabbage, I threw it in the garbage now. Took your cabbage, threw it in the garbage. Bitch.